What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Turner here with another episode of the No Stress Midwest podcast. Uh, today's episode, we are very, very, very lucky to be joined by Miss Shay Groom of the Houston Dash. Shay, how are you doing? I am good. Happy to be here. I love. I, I see you've got the new the new logo stuff. Uh, the Houston Dash and the Dynamo kind of went through a rebranding. You, I mean, you can talk about it a bit. I, I love it. So what was it like? Yeah, it's it's huge. I think just for this new era, obviously, we're coming fresh off a Challenge Cup win and, um, you know, making our mark on the NWSL. And and I think the Dynamo recognized that and and that there was just opportunity to connect the whole community of Houston by this one club mentality rather than Dynamo and Dash, um, you know, just trying to be. Uh, Houston's club, not, you know, two soccer teams that are in Houston. And, and a lot of thought went, went into the the new badges and uh, we were briefed on it and it, it was super cool. Just how they incorporated the Bayou, um, NASA, um, and, and a few other things that are very true to Houston. So um, I'm excited. I, you know, I just got here this year, but I feel, feels like I've been home for, for a while now. So uh, it's definitely exciting and excited for uh, what's to come. That's dope. Yeah, I was before we hopped on, I was on Instagram and one of the soccer pages I saw James Harden is uh, like hugging someone on the Houston dash. I, I, I don't remember who it was, but because I know he's a part owner of is it both clubs or is it just the Dynamo or are they all? Under yeah, they're, they're all under one organization. Awesome. Yeah, we got to do a, a photo shoot with with James and he was super cool. So uh, awesome! Is the beard as big as it looks on TV? I don't. I don't remember it. I don't feel like it was. But oh, all right, all right. Well, that's, if you like, don't remember it, then yeah, that's, then that's it a good wasn't. <laughs> um, All right. So Shay, uh, we've kind of gone into your Houston Dash time a bit, but I want to rewind it back a bit. Um, I'll be honest with you, and and I know you're not going to remember this story, um, but when I first moved here, maybe like one of my first two or three years, uh, there was an award ceremony at Children's Mercy, and you won an award for uh, like player of the year or something, maybe it was with FCKC or female athlete of the year, something like that, or you were there. And the, the high school I was at, our coach won, was up for an award. So I sat next or at the table with you. And I remember hearing your name before I said, like, before I met you then. And I was like, oh, shoot, this is this Shay Groom girl everyone keeps talking about. <laughs> but then, like, I didn't, I was so afraid to talk to you because everyone, I've heard your name so much. So I was nervous. Um, but I wanted to tell you that story while we were on this podcast that I, I remember that time, first time I met Shay and it was everything <laughs> that you would imagine people, everything. Uh, but yeah, so you're from KC, Liberty to be exact, you're local. So I'm really excited to have you on. Um, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people here, uh, they love you. Um, and so you had a crazy impact uh, either from being from KC or your time here. So you're going to have a lot of listens. I already know. Um, but let's get started. Shay, how did you get involved with soccer? Uh, who were some of your early influences? 
did you know that you were going to be a pro player when you, you know, when you first started kind of talk to me, talk to us about that. Yeah. I mean, I did not grow up in a soccer household whatsoever. My dad was a high school football coach for over 30 years and a college basketball referee. So we had no idea about soccer as our family. Um, I played three sports in high school, um, even more growing up. I think I remember a time where it was like, my mom was like, you need to choose between playing soccer and um, competitive, like rodeo, like horseback riding. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, I, I soccer is like more fun, I think, because my friends are there. So yeah, I'm a you know, but that. yeah, but I, so I like, I loved it all and, and never really expected um, <coughs> the journey to take me where I, you know, I never grew up dreaming of being a professional soccer player. I played it because my sister played it. And um, I think about the age of 12, um, one of the coaches was like, looked at my dad and was like, she's really good. You need to like invest in this a little. You need to do something with yeah. that. <laughs> and so I tried out for like some more competitive teams and yeah. um, ended up, you know, settling with a team called KCFC at the time. Hugh Williams ran the club with um, a bunch of other foreign guys coaching. And, um, you know, he started a few clubs since. But now that club ultimately absorbed into Sporting Kansas City yeah. um, and was monumental in my career and, uh, you know, was able to, I don't I think, really start a, a massive wave of, of soccer in, in the Kansas City area. And, um, you know, that team that I played on was incredible. There was girls that went to – I think most of us, probably 90% of the team went to division one schools. So um, we won a national championship with that team and, and played the first year of ECNL, which uh, has obviously made its mark in youth soccer now. So, um, you know, it's, it's been cool to kind of see it grow in the way that it has and to have been a part of it at such an early stage and obviously went on to play at at Texas A&M and, and then, Decided I wanted to be a pro pretty late in that career. So, right. uh, yeah, to speak to that, I wasn't ever growing up wanting to be a professional soccer player, but uh, I would not trade it for the world now. So you you mentioned you mentioned a few things, and Hugh Williams is the name you mentioned. Who is he? Was actually at that that award thing as well. Um, but he uh, is someone that I think is very big in the Kansas City landscape of youth sports especially youth soccer, because he's been a part of so many different clubs, right? It's like he gets one up, a new one's there, and it gets going, and then he's he's off to another one, and then he's starting another club, or he's running camp. So uh, would you credit a lot of your maybe love of the game or your talent anything like that to Hugh or his coaching staff while you're, while your time being at the club? Oh yeah. I think Hugh was the starting point and uh, just, I mean, I have to give most of the credit to him. I think um, he identified me as a player to begin with. And Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, you know, told me that I was good, but I think what made him different is he figured out how to unlock it for me. Um, a funny story that I'm sure a lot of the listeners will maybe enjoy was, um, he would have like ways to motivate me and just kind of get me to that next level every game. Um, and so one of the games, the team would think it's so funny, but like, I believed in everything that he said. And, And so one time he was like, that girl on the other team said that you were ugly and, and that you weren't good at soccer. And it was just like, 
I saw red, you know? No, she didn't. Yeah. So like, that's the stuff that he would do or, um, you know, he always held me to the highest expectation and, and as hard as I think it was growing up, I think it made me mature at a, at a young age and, and kind of have that fighting mentality. I, I definitely am not scared of fitness because of Hugh Williams. So, uh, <laughs> he definitely instilled some of the things that I still carry with me and, and are part of my identity and, and mind it as a player. Yeah. Okay, so we, we've kind of talked about some club time. Um, you were at Liberty High School, and, man, I, I, I feel like a broken record saying this because I said it to a, your teammate, Megan uh, Kelly. I was reading her high school stuff. And every player, you all are some, like, badass high school players because <laughs> the accolades that you've picked up is, is ridiculous. So Shay, while she was at Liberty, she won a state championship. Um and I mean, two. Oh, look at that! Two state championships. Uh, that's my fault. I'm I'm messing up already. Uh, but you were Missouri Player of the Year. Uh, you were Gatorade Missouri Player of the Year in 2010 and 11. Uh, NSCAA All American and NSCAA State Player uh, in 2010 and 11. And then finally, I saw your ESPN Rise All American. So that's quite a bit of bit of success it seems you had while in high school um what do you think led to led to that was it a proper upbringing of of club soccer that that just had you leaps and bounds above everyone was it a solid team was it coaching was it your you know what 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 was it that just made it click for you yeah, it seems like I always am a part of such a special class. You know, I'll say at AM as well, but also at Liberty. I mean, I think she's probably eight or nine of us again went and played Division One or now probably Division One soccer. Right. So it was it was an insane group to have on a high school team. Yeah, um, I think we had all also grown up playing in Kansas city together. A lot of us, you know, our carpooling hours to club training over in mm -hmm. Kansas and spent so much time together growing up that we already kind of had that chemistry. And then. That career, because I think it's such a different challenge than playing club soccer. Uh -huh. um, because you know, there's the social aspect, you're going to school with these people. And I think, um, you know, just from a leadership standpoint, it really allowed me to grow, but we had such a special team. And in those junior and senior years, I think once that freshman class kind of matured, we were just able to take over and, and finally wreak it on the state of Missouri yes. and girls yeah. soccer. So eight or nine people playing division one on one team, college soccer is phenomenal division one club soccer eight or nine people playing you know on one team that's great so that yeah that sounds like a i mean a phenomenal group of players and you mentioned with your club side and with your high school side you're obviously around a lot of talented players um any of them that you are still going up against in the nwsl uh from my youth or college from, from let's say from your youth, from club and high school. Yeah, I um, well, I started off my career with one of our other 
uh, local legends, I guess, Casey Clark in, in Liberty. And, and she played a little bit with me at FC Kansas City. And, and it's been fun now. Um, on the dash, we have about five yep. Kansas City players. Yep. Uh, or four, maybe, sorry. It's me, Cece Kaiser, but she's now just departed to Louisville, sadly, in the expansion draft. Um, Haley Hansen, Megan Kelly. And then I spent a year last year with one of my best friends, JC Johnson, who played at Lee Summit uh, West. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of Kansas City products. I'm actually about ready to come home a little bit for the holidays. And it's so fun. Hugh gets a big group of us together to train and look, look a little different this year. But um, good, good Kansas City products in there. Addison Merrick now plays in NWSL as well. Yep. Um, Dorian Bailey. Gosh. So, uh, it's always fun. Yeah. yeah. It's a special place. Yeah, Addie was was telling me about that actually. So I trained her um, while she's here, and she was saying that she she had the pickup game with you the yeah. other day, and she was just was bragging, not bragging, but talking about all the the people that were there, both professional and college. So that's good that he still does something for all of you to to play. Um, so quick question then before we get to college. If DA was around while you were there, would you have made the move to DA or would you have stayed with high school? Gosh, it's so, yeah, it's so hard. I've, you know, had a lot of parents come to me and ask and, and, you know, I think it's really about what, what's best for the player. I think for me, I needed to play the other sports mm -hmm. um, to just develop as an athlete. And I think for me, I always needed that change of pace. I loved basketball so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I also ran track a couple years, but um, you know, I think now obviously looking back at my career and, you know, I could have been leaps and bounds ahead if I had just solely focused on soccer as well. So I think there's pros and cons to it. And, and it's kind of about it's, and it's a tough decision to make at that age. Um, yeah, for so, sure. And it's a lot of pressure. They get yeah. put on these kids 14, 13 years old to pick to play in high school. And then in just four more years, the pressure of college and yeah. all of that. And it's, you know, it's it's tough. Um, I, I agree. It's it's a lot of pressure we put on these players, and we expect them to be professionals at the yeah. age of 13. Yeah. Right. And it's tough. It's just not, I don't think it translates as well as the men's side does maybe with academies and you know how they go straight to playing pro sometimes you know most girls are going to go to college to play soccer so um it's definitely an interesting way to do it and and probably at my advice if someone really couldn't decide was you know I've had a couple girls play for a couple years and then you know find the school that they're going to go to and then decide to go back and play yep. a year maybe two of, of high school so um there's definitely give and take but I probably couldn't have done it. I would would have had to have my basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 that's fair, and that's a, I mean, a, a very big thing that's coming up now. Granted, DA's folded, and there's you know this GA where I think they just pick the next letter in line, um, and they can play high school, but <laughs> there's limits or like they can in the middle of the high school season. There's club tournaments that they can. I don't know. It's it's. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Um, but okay, so you went on to Texas A&M, became an Aggie. Now, what did you think had the, what do you think helped get you to that level, both on a recruiting standpoint, like being seen, and then on a preparation standpoint, as far as physically, 
mentally, emotionally? High school or club? Or is it a mix of both? Hugh Williams, no doubt. <laughs> I honestly, like, it, I will kick myself giving him this much praise because I'll never hear the end of it. But no, honestly, I... I mean, I don't, when people say like, oh, did you make a highlight video and send out email? Like I didn't do one thing. Like he advocated on me from, from day one. And, and thankfully we did play in the NWSL or the ECNL and you know, we're getting a lot of exposure, I think early on where some clubs probably weren't, but mm -hmm. you know, for a small Kansas team, um, he made sure to put us in those positions. So I've always said your club coach can, can make or break you. And, and mine was such an integral part of my career. And then, you know, I'll never forget the summers, gosh, before we left for um, college or preparing for nationals. I mean, some of those grueling trainings that he would, I mean, he'd be like, show up at the track, don't bring your ball kind of thing. So um, I think those always, those are always the practices you look forward to the most. Yeah. And, and, I'll tell the, exactly. and, and I'll tell you this story too. I, I even showed up to AM and and did great my you know summer uh, kind of preparing for that first season. I went in a little bit early and you know was passing everything. I've always been a fit kid, but it came time for the first fitness test of the year and hottest summer in Texas still to date. But we ran a fitness test at uh, 10 a.m. and I mean and it was a gut check and I completely my body like shut down, passed out. Anyways, called Hugh, cried, said I could never make it at this level or, yeah. or whatever. And was ready to like throw in the towel. And you know, he was like, Look, <laughs> I've been with you this long. This isn't gonna happen. The coaches are probably laughing at you because you probably went out too hard. Yeah. Um, yep. To begin with. But um, so it's just funny because you know, some people think look at my career or you know, hear my name and think it all went smoothly and perfect, but uh everyone fails and everyone kind of has those kind of stories. So yeah. No, and I think it's important that that you talk about them and and understand that, you know, failures, uh, whatever, losing, however you want to put it, they're all learning experiences. And you learned, I'm sure, a lot from that first that first 10 a.m. conditioning session at a.m. for you. Like, oh, all right, I got to get my stuff together. I don't, you know, I'm not as in, in shape as I thought I was. I'm not as this or that. Um, but to understand that and then to look back and say, this is what it prepared me for, right? It's everything happens for a reason. So that's, I mean, that's good. I'm glad you brought up that story because people listening, I'm sure are like, man, Shay's just been so good at everything. How does she, how does she do that? Um, but yeah, so you had a, a good, good time uh, at a and I saw your senior year, uh, you recorded 16 goals. You had seven assists. Named SEC SEC offense offensive player of the year, um, so you kind of ended your senior year there with a bang. What do you think got you to that point from conditioning freshman year, 10 a.m. when your body passed out? <laughs> yeah, I think again, people don't know all the chapters of my story, and again, when you hear my name, it's just oh, she's so great and blah blah. blah. I mean, my college career was an absolute roller coaster, an absolute, you know, a couple times should have quit, should never played soccer again. Like, um, so yeah, I fa failed that fitness test, first of all, um, not because I was unfit, but just because mentally, I think yep. you just, 
sometimes you're just not ready for that. And, and you try to be the hero on minute one. So, you know, it was humbling and, and that was good. And, uh, you know, made me work a lot harder. 10 games in, I basically shred my foot in half and uh, had a Liz Frank fracture, which required two surgeries and nine months uh, before I even probably stepped on the field again, much less, you know, a year before I was like feeling good. So that pretty much honestly absorbed my first two years was, yeah. um, I mean, you have to learn to walk again. It's basically like the ACL of your foot. It holds the whole thing together. They never see it in soccer. They say um, really only football, basketball injuries. So um, it was such a rare thing, but I think something that allowed me to step off the field and see it from a different perspective it made me so hungry and I think humble in a way that I from that moment on I was always going to take every moment for what it was and and never take it for granted and and soak up um each opportunity I got to step on the field so um you know still was able to watch my team win a big 12 championship and mm-hmm. and you know played out wide my sophomore year but then I think that junior year I got shifted into the midfield um, started playing the 10 for the first time. Um, Phil Stevenson, my coach was like, this is where I'm going to put you. And I think that you're going to be absolutely lights out. Cause you're going to get, get the ball. You're going to run at defenders and they're not going to know what to do. Right. And I say that because it's funny now, cause that's kind of like what I'm known for. And, and obviously I made the shift into the midfield this year, but, mm-hmm. um, so it took me a year to kind of figure that out junior year, but we had a really successful year, one back-to-back SEC championships um, and then get to the senior year and it's like, all right, I came to Texas A&M because you never made it to a final four and I want to win a national championship. So yeah. that was the goal for minute one. And, and we set out to do that and, you know, we made it to the final four, which was a huge accomplishment and came up short of the ultimate goal. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to put Texas A&M on the map and I wanted to be a part of a program that hadn't reached you know, what I thought it could have reached. So, um, I was happy with, with how it went and, and I'm still super connected with the coaching staff and the girls. I'm getting ready to watch their SEC semifinal right after we get off here. So, um, Texas a was a really special place for me and obviously a place where I decided to be a pro and, yeah. and really made me into the player that I am today. So you, you've, you've said it twice now that that was when you decided to become a pro. What was it a moment? Was it something that happened? Was it one of the 16 goals that you scored? Was it the final four appearance? What was it that made you say, this is it, I'm doing it? Yeah, you know, it was funny. It wasn't even like I could be a pro or, you know, I want to keep playing soccer. Like, I just remember I was at Orange Beach. We're playing the SEC tournament 2013, and the NFL had just formed. Mm -hmm. Um, they formed in 2012, but their first season was in 2013. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then I looked at my academic advisor and, I, and he was like, okay, well, you're not going to graduate. in right. time." And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> so um, I remember I spent that, that whole tournament planning with them and I spent a whole extra year basically in a summer and uh, finished an extra year of college in, in one summer and, um, graduated early and, and then obviously got drafted back to my hometown, which was incredible. So, um, you know, I, I, again, never grew up playing professionally, but I think once I saw that there was a league that was going to do it and 
I, I could be a part of it. You know, I was sold. You're in. So you were, you say you're selected by the home team, FC Casey. Um, you're the 12th overall pick in, in 2015. Um, so I've got to ask you because I've, I've, I'm starting to get a kick out of hearing these. Talk to us about your draft story, draft day story. Were, were you at convention at the, at the draft? Were you at home? Were you driving? Were you sleeping? What, what, what was going on? Are you a student that's struggling a little bit with the hybrid and virtual learning and looking to get just a little more help academically? Or are you a parent that has a child who's struggling to keep that same level of discipline and rigor that they had in the classroom at home? If any of these apply to you, check out No Stress Midwest Education, an academic tutoring service where we offer both in-person and virtual tutoring. One of the things that separates us from others is that all of our tutors are board certified educators in Kansas and Missouri in a variety of specialty topics and familiar with the latest curriculum in school districts around the metro area. We are passionate about helping students achieve their goals in the classroom and also committed to helping students build the necessary skills and tools they will need in the future to succeed on their own. Our team follows the latest guidelines from the CDC. We require masks for all in-person tutoring to protect both the student and the tutor. Our tutors will either travel to your home or meet at a predetermined location to conduct all in-person tutoring sessions. All we need is a space for learning and we're ready to go. At No Stress Midwest, we truly believe in developing the well-rounded student athlete. No Stress Midwest does not tell you what to think, but teaches you how to think. No Stress Midwest Education, an academic tutoring service. For more information, visit www.nostressmidwest.com backslash education. I know there's a lot of good drop stories, honestly. I've heard some really good ones over the year. I I went because I was like, I don't want to miss this experience. I don't care if it's in a conference room. Right. You know, I know it's not the NFL draft or NBA draft, but like, I'm going to be there. For Uh, sure. So, yeah, I went um, and really didn't know how it was going to go. I don't, if you've looked at my draft class, it's actually insane. I'll argue with anyone that we've had the best draft class so far with just the amount of, I mean, Morgan Bryan, Sam Mewis, uh, Jalene Hinkle, who just retired, Sophia Huerta, me, Danny Colaprico. Um, geez, just, Those I mean, the people, that's what that even yeah, your, your name, oh, Abby, yeah, Abby Dalton, Lynn Williams. I mean, it's half of the oh. national team okay. right now, right? So they are, so they were pretty decent. They were, they, they were pretty decent, you could say, and yeah. still are, and still are good, actually. Yeah, still are. Yeah. Sarah Killian, too. I mean, half of UCLA was drafted that year. Megan Oyster is on my team, so, um, yeah, it was, it was an insane draft. Um, to say the least. And um, so I didn't know where I would fall. I was hearing probably eight, you know, somewhere around there. I was wanting Kansas city over anything, but they had traded away their first round pick. So Hugh and Blacko, like, were like, you're not coming here. I'm just letting you know. Like there's no way you're going to be around at 12. Just like, we'll do everything we can, but sorry. So definitely thought when it came down to it, I was going to Boston, how it was shaking out. And then 
um, it was like, okay, you're going to Chicago. And then uh, Rory Dames actually uh, coached against me quite a few times as a youth player. Um, and so we get a kick out of each other, just <laughs> having watched the evolution of his career and how much he's yelled at me over the years as the opposition. <laughs> um, right. But basically, you know, he even came up to me after and was like, uh, I'm glad I could send you home. And, you know, they kind of did a, hey, let's handshake, give us our girl type of thing. Right, right. And he, you know, followed through. But uh, yeah, I mean, we could not believe it. So, I, and I was sad. I was like, dang, like, I'm not going in the first round. And wait, why is no one picking me? Because <laughs> then you're like, wait, what's happening? And then it's right, like, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait. Yeah, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <It's going. laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, That's cool. Awesome. So, all right, so you go to FCKC or come, you know, come here to FCKC. Um, and your first year, you were named NWSL Rookie of the Year on top of, I believe, uh, them winning the champ NWSL championship that year. And I can remember watching that game um, because that year was sporting FCKC wow. and the Comets, I think, the indoor team. All three won their respective uh, cups that year. And this was like three years after me being in KC. And I'm just like, dang, like KC is lit. I was like, oh, yeah. man. Soccer capital of the world. Yeah, I was like, we're out here, bro. Um, so your first year, how, how was that whole experience? What was it like playing in front of your friends, your family? Um, obviously, you had a very successful season. Uh, well, just kind of talk to us about that. What was it like playing for Vladko, being with Hugh again? Yeah, let's yeah. hear it. What was your I mean, it, was, it was insane. I mean, I learned so much that year. You know, I didn't come in and just be a starter. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a kid. I was athletic enough to get away with a lot of stuff in college. And that translated well into the end of his cell. But I realized at a very, very quickly that I had to get technically a lot better. And, um, you know, the tactical part would come. But, right. but that the play and just – you know, I missed out on a lot of that technical work growing up because it just really wasn't part of the game. It really wasn't what we were training as kids. You know, I, I, I didn't know people were kicking balls up against the wall and like, right. Like, You're like, well, who's, who's on that? Yeah. And, and when the heck did she come up with all these, all this stuff? Yeah. Why exactly. is it so good? Yeah. So I, I had a lot of uh, things to learn, but I also was surrounded. I mean, that team. Right. Yes, um, Holiday, Amy Rodriguez, Ballers, Heather Ballers, Ballers. I mean, Amy Lapelle, Nicole Barnhart. Like I could go through. It was baller, yeah. Person um, for person, it was. I mean, it was position for position, yeah. Yeah, Erica Timrak. So it was actually a World Cup year as well. So I was still getting minutes, um, you know, when they were there. But then once they left for the World Cup, it was like you know, we got to carry this team and um, really started to come out of my shell, score a lot of goals um, and, you know, be a part of that team. The last game before the World Cup players came back after winning in 2015, um, I actually broke my foot. So, um, yeah, so six weeks out on that and um, was able to make it back, um, you know, by the end of the season and get some minutes in that final. But, um, you know, ended a little bit earlier than I would have liked to, but obviously, you know, still very successful for, for my, um, 
rookie year. And I think set me in a good place because going into that off season, I wasn't tired. I was like really hungry to get better. Yeah. And I remember I spent that off season in Richmond, Virginia, and I trained, I mean, every single day, twice a day, I was out with a headlamp in the driveway of the place that I was staying doing extra touches, doing whatever I could do to just feel up against the wall. Yeah. Catching up with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Catching up and and relearning a lot of things that I missed out on. And, and it was such a special, special off season for me because that's when I was like, you can make something of yourself and you want it. Like I can feel like it's, it's not to do it like you're finding ways to train with boys and I was training with the strength coach at Richmond um, for men's basketball and Mm -hmm. and I was just absolutely loving it so you know that first year was again so special to me obviously hard with the injury but we won and and be a part of it and and to help that team when when those players weren't there during the world cup was obviously an integral part in our playoff push as well so right so from from there I know the team um, relocated to Utah and now Utah Royals FC. So can you kind of talk to us about what the process was like of being part of a team that was getting bought and sold to another state? Like that's just in the middle of nowhere. Um, what was it like relocating? Uh, what just kind of what, what, yeah. what was it like? I mean, it was wild because it's like, you get a call and you're like, okay, your team's, your team's folded and you're like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Like what's going on? And Boston was actually kind of going through the same thing that year, but we had been heard that Boston was going to be the team to go to Utah. Oh, so, okay. Um, but it ended up being us. I think the scariest part was that they would, they were refusing to sign Vladko. So it was like, all of us were like up in the air. Um, whereas I think it would have been different if he was signed on and, um, you know, our whole team, it was still FC Casey, but just, right, just over there. Yeah. Off. So I didn't um, know that part. Okay. So they, yeah. they didn't want him as, as the big guy. And I guess, I guess not. <laughs> they're probably punching the air right now, exactly. but you know, oh, well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everyone was kind of up in the air and, you know, we all had our talks with Laura Harvey was ended up being the coach there. And, you know, I, my talk was great with her and, you know, I actually just saw her at camp again. So, you know, I was ready to be a part of that team. And, and then obviously, you know, business happens sometimes and, mm-hmm. and some teams want you and I've been the bargaining chip in many of those trades. So I, I take it as a compliment and, in, in being valuable in this league. And so, you know, before I even made it to Utah, I was traded to Jersey. Yeah. But that was a wild year to like feel like you've been a part of three clubs in one year. It was like yep. I'm bought into Utah, and then it was like I'm no. going to Jersey. I'm bought into <laughs> so. Jersey, and then Jersey. <laughs> so, so you were there in in Jersey. Well, you were in Utah for not even a season. You you get relocated, and then you get traded there. So you were just in Jersey for one year, or how much time did you spend there? Yeah, one one year in Jersey. One season before Rain, right? Before you were picked up by Rain FC. Yep, and then yep. traded back to Rain with Vladko. So was was did Vladko have have a part in that? Do you think, or do you know? Yeah, you there? I mean, I called him the second I got traded to Jersey and said, "Please, can you get me? <laughs> Save me, <laughs> Save Help me. me. anything." Yeah. Well, because too, and obviously this is a little insider info, I guess, but, um, you know, I, 
not that I had the opportunity, but I had open conversations with Laura and, and Vladko, you know, you know, her saying, look, I know you've been with this coach for three years. And, um, you know, what people don't know is I've known Vladko since I was like nine years old and, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, just, you know, not as I think Hugh and him go hand in hand for me yeah. in terms of how important they have been to my career and my life. You know, they're part of my family. So, um, you know, she was very open and honest, you know, just wanting to know, like, look, do you want to go be with him and, you know, continue kind of, you know, what you guys have built, um, right. or, you know, do you want to stay here? And in black, when I had had a conversation on, look, I think it's, it's good to, to be coached by other coaches and it's good to go out of your comfort zone and, and have a new challenge. And, and I think this might be, you know, something that, that might be worthwhile. And so I had kind of made that commitment, but, um, you know, that was to Laura. And so then when I didn't even know the next coach, I was like, okay, right. please. Yeah, peace. So he did, he did try many times over that year. But um, again, you know, that was a really hard year in Jersey, but so much learning experience and just maturity. And, and I think paved the way for me for, for women's sports. Um, you know, we had to put our foot down a lot of times and in terms of, you know, this is not good enough for, for a standard. Um, yeah. And, you know, having to develop into a leadership role there, you know, I kind of took those steps. So it was a huge part of my career, too. But I was obviously um, so excited to get back um, playing with Flacco. And and I knew that Rain was was going to be a, a really great fit for me. Yeah. And now it, so two things. Rain was when you were playing with JC, correct? Yes. Right. OK. So, I yeah, I, I interviewed her the other day. Um, she's got a, a great story as well. So you know what I'm talking about, but I'm pulling for her and, and hoping that things work out with with things. Um, but with Vladko, now this is a story that I'm going to, I assume is true. I, my friend told me this, but uh, he played, so my friend played at Park and okay. Vladko was used to coach at Park on the men's side. Mm-hmm. And I guess at his time, at while he was there, Vlatko was like a, a third or fourth assistant. I mean, just low low on the totem pole. And the guy, my friend told me that Vlatko, like they used to, the other coaches would like not talk trash on him, but like they didn't think he was good enough or he would ever amount to like being a quality coach. And now he's the national team coach. And when that got announced, my buddy who who played for played under him told me that story. And it was just like, yo, I was so happy when I saw that he got named because all those coaches, man, screw them. They were all talking trash on him. So <laughs> I've heard very good things about Vladko from like everyone. Um, I've met him once and he kind of caught me off guard at like the U.S. soccer facility. And I like turned around. And he was there and it was, they were doing the photo shoot, like before the announcement, I like turned around and he was just like standing right there. And I was like, Oh, Uh, but he was super chill. you know, shook my hand said, you know, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, so that, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I'm glad that it worked out that you were able to get back with him and, and, you know, fast forward a little bit, you were called into, national team camp first team uh this past one and you were reunited again uh so how was that how how was being called into into the first team camp um what was it like playing there yeah i mean obviously 
you know, as you continue with your professional career and, and, you know, that is, you know, the little soccer that I was getting to watch growing up was the national team. I was, you know, going to these ODP trips. I remember, um, you know, my first idol that I really kind of, you know, took after was Lauren Holiday or Lauren Cheney at the time, but Lauren Holiday now, um, because I think I was in Portugal or Holland or something for ODP and, and we watched the U.S. play live and I was looking down the roster and it said their hometowns or whatever. And she was the only one from the Midwest. And, and so that kind of sparked a dream for me that, yeah, I could, <laughs> I could be, if she could do it, you I know, could, I, could I could do it because why yeah, why not? So um, it was always a dream of mine. I was getting called into the youth camps and things mm -hmm. like that all through um, my youth, but obviously make it the first team. My first time was four years ago. Um, and then obviously to get back now after, you know, I've had a couple tough years and then to come to Houston and kind of have um, an awakening in a way, you know, I, it's funny. I didn't set out this year um, probably with the lowest expectations and the lowest um, or the most simple goals. You know, my goals this year were just to be happy and healthy. So to make it to the national team camp um, was, you know, just, an added bonus for me and um you know it's always good to train at the highest level and and get in with those girls it's obviously an incredibly hard group to break into and yep. you know obviously timing now you know they're getting ready for an olympics and um with covid there's just unfortunately not enough time to to look at a lot of players but um you know I had great conversations with Vladko and you know he knows me as a player so he knows what he's going to get yeah. and um, you know i know that at the end of the day, he believes in me and, you know, it's up to me to, you know, continue to put good end of his all seasons together and, you know, put myself in a good position to play on that team um, one day. So uh, totally enjoyed it. was was super excited, but um, also excited for a little time off now as well. I was going to say your your season ended, you know, with the NWSL and, and obviously those last couple bubble games that you had were just kind of not going through the motions, but there was no, you know, they, there were no points there to, to pick up. So you're getting to the end of your season, thinking you're going to kick your feet up, take the cleats off for a bit. Then you get called into the national team camp. There's the quarantine that, you know, that has to take place going there, then leaving. So your season has just got extended another couple weeks. Um, but I mean, to represent your country and, and all those just the camp is still, I'm sure, an awesome experience. Um, so I'm I'm pulling for you, Shay. Uh, I'm hoping that, that you get the call uh, and, and we'll see how it goes. Definitely. So while you were at Houston, though, this year, right, and as crazy as it was, you guys, you, you picked up the NWSL Challenge Cup. Um what was that experience like? And and I give mad props to the NWSL and all you ladies for being the first American sports league to come back and pull off a bubble effectively, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think there was like one team, I, I think someone was telling me that had some some issues, but other than that, you know, it, it, it had happened. So you won the Challenge Cup. What was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely different, something, you know, we could have never predicted and never thought we would have to go through. But, um, you know, I think the unique thing about our league is that it is smaller than most leagues. Um, we, I think, pride ourselves on continuing to grow this league and, 
And so obviously all the players, I think were super cautious and super dedicated and, and the NWSL with Lisa Beard, you know, becoming our new commissioner, she went above and beyond to make sure that this was the most professional thing that, you know, we've ever been able to put on and, you know, got the sponsorship deals and, you know, had, um, that front office, you know, do something really, really special that we haven't seen in the past and that, you know, NWSL fans and, you know, people that didn't even know that NWSL existed, um, could have ever seen possible. So I thought it was amazing. It created so much exposure. You know, I had people texting me, um, you know, tweeting and everything, you know, I'm, I'm watching you I on, see you on CBS, yeah, the, like, the real CBS. Not CBS Plus. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think it was incredible. And obviously to win it, you know, if you think about it, our team, gosh, I wish I knew exactly the numbers, but we had so many new players this year. Uh-huh. And with so many starts and stops, it was like, we didn't have any time. I didn't even know what to expect that first game. We come out, score three goals. We were, you know, give up two in the last couple of minutes to, yeah. to go with the tie. But then we score five goals in the first game, something that Houston's not known for. You know, James had said, I think at the end of those two games, they had only had two like multi-goal games or something like that all right. of the season. So, so you came um, out with the bang then this. Yeah. One, yeah. So we realized like this isn't the same old dash, which is yeah. kind of one of the taglines they use now, but that this was a new era. And, and I think that's what you saw in the tournament. We just kept developing and um, you know, we didn't have as much depth as we would have liked dropped a couple games um, at the end of the group stage. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, all about the playoffs anyways. And yep. I think once we got there, we, we knew what we had and we knew the weapons that we had and, we got better with every game. And then, you know, even the fall series games, you know, we're missing Rachel MVP of the challenge cup. And I think you saw a lot of special things that the dash are going to do um, in the future. And, and it was just exciting because I felt like, you know, I was talking to James, I think yesterday, but when you find the right fit for some players, it's just all magic. It really yeah. is. Yep. And so I think yep. in a lot of ways we found that, we, you know, there's still some pieces that we need, but, for a lot of players, you know, we found a home in Houston and, um, you know, it's been incredible. Yeah. So, so first shout outs to the commish, then it seems like are in order for, for having the NWSL, uh, challenge cup be what it was. Um, I definitely, I'll, I'll admit, I did not watch as many NWSL games prior to now when FC Casey was here, I loved going to the matches, but, Watching it on TV was tough, but when the Challenge Cup came back, that was the first sports that I could watch other than like marble racing. And I'll be honest, it was, I was betting on FIFA games. Like I, I was, I was really bad. Um, but watching that and then just seeing good soccer, just seeing soccer, right? Not even say good soccer, just seeing soccer and watch, yeah. watch it grow. Um, it, it felt great. And and I'll be honest, I was cheering for you because I knew your name. Uh, yes. So I was, I was, yeah, I sat at your table. I remember I should have taken a picture. I snuck a picture, darn it. Um, but no, I'm, so I'm super happy to, to see that you guys uh, were able to pull that off. And then also you were talking about a new era coming into Houston. You had all these new players, um, new taglines. Is another tagline going to be uh, Air Groom? Because if you did not know, uh, Shea won the NWSL Goal of the Year. 
for jumping. I think it was like 10 feet off the ground and hitting this header in. It was absolutely stunning. Um, so NWSL goal of the year, Houston dash newcomer of the year this year, just, I mean, it, 2020 was a good one for you. It seemed, uh, from a playing perspective, uh, what are your goals going into next year? How do you, how do you beat this year? What do you do? Yeah, I think again, it was, it was so unexpected and kind of born out of little, little expectations. And so I think I took a lot from that um, with how much pressure I put on myself and, you know, just the way that you can so easily tear yourself down when you're such a competitor at a high level. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, so I think I've grown a lot mentally and, and found out what works for me and how I best operate. I think uh, my goals for next year, you know, is kind of some more of those specific things. I want to see myself have a few more assists and, and I think I can score a lot of goals in this league by even Uh-oh. being in the midfielder. So as a midfielder, so um, I'm excited to work on a few of those things. And then, you know, I think we still have a huge chip on our shoulder. For some reason, people don't think that the challenge cup is that big of a deal. So uh, we still have something to prove as a Houston dash and put some respect, um, put some yeah. respect on their name. People. I'm ready to get after it. To mess with awesome stars. There we go. Rest. There we go. So you you kind of talked about it, not putting that pressure on you and and you're a professional, right? So like your your life, your profession is the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. For players that I coach, majority of the people that are playing the game that aren't professionals, right? I feel like there's still that pressure that people put on them. And you're seeing now more than ever a huge emphasis on mental health and making sure that like it's not okay like saying that oh man I didn't get any sleep for the last three days studying because or man I've been working so hard I you know I I can't even think straight like that's not a good sign um so I, I know we we spoke earlier about this but speaking on mental health what are what are some of the the things that you think could help youth players what are things that you've gone through personally um, and how have you gone, how have you got through those moments or are you still going through those, those times? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the mental health talk is still fairly new. You know, I grew up in a household where we didn't really talk about that stuff. You know, I, again, I'll say my dad was a football coach and it was very much a let's suck it up mentality. And so I thought for a very long time and not, you know, any discredit to my parents, but, you know, I was like, I'm tough. Like I can get through anything. And, you know, I think you get to an older age and some things you just can't get through. And, and so I think the big thing is, is to know that, you know, especially I stress to younger girls now that, you know, it's, we can talk about these things now and it's happening to a lot of people happens to me. You know, I go to therapy, I struggle with mental illness. Um, And so I think, um, you know, just, being able to have those resources and that's something I'm passionate about trying to provide some of those resources um, and, and make it known. Cause I think sometimes it's like, well, where do I start? Where do I go? Cause um, you know, maybe the school counselor's not cutting it, you know, right, right. Um, so, you know, just trying to normalize that conversation and, and know that a lot of people are going through it. And, you know, as far as the soccer side goes um, I think, especially as women, we put so much pressure on ourselves, you know, I'm, definitely have that perfectionist mentality or, or did for a very long time. And I had to learn that 
I have to leave everything soccer on the soccer field, no matter how it is at the end of the day. And, yeah. and you know, I can still study the game and, you know, do what I need to do <sighs> off, the, off the field. But um, you start to carry a lot of baggage when uh, you're carrying every single moment, every mistake with you. So, um, you know, I can't stress the importance of the mental game and, and just feeling healthy and happy. I mean, if, you want to take anything from this year. I I've said this in countless interviews. My goals for this year were to be healthy and happy. Um, it wasn't to win a championship. It wasn't to be the MVP of the final or the leading goal scorer of the Houston dash. Um, I wanted to be happy and healthy and I wanted to love soccer again. And, and so I, I think there's something to say about really focusing on your health and, and making sure you're in a good place um, in order to perform. Um, I'll just say, I listened to a podcast, Kelly Holmes, um, she was a English uh, track star. She also was in the military. Crazy story, by the way. You should um, check out her Kelly her Holmes. journey. But uh, Kelly Holmes. All right. She she I just it was similar to this conversation. She you know was just like, look, I cut myself and I had a lot of mental health issues, and she went on to win two gold medals, and um, you know was also in the army for ten years, like again, crazy, crazy story. Um, but again, yeah, just normalizing that conversation and, and knowing that a lot of, you know, athletes like professionals go through it as well, you know? So yeah. I'm sure, um, you know, little girls growing up are, are doing the same thing, but that if we can focus on, you know, just feeling that overall health and when you're chasing just kind of that pursuit of happiness rather than that one goal or making it to that one college, um, you know, you often, you often get there anyways, when, you know, you're happy. So when you're happy, yeah. Kind of sounds cheesy, but, um, definitely but something. It's the, truth. It, it, it's the truth. Um, I I've got a quick question at the end of the year. Are you happy and are you healthy? I am getting healthy and, but I am happy. So Boom. I think so. Yeah. We're, we're halfway we there. Yeah. Halfway there. Um, are you ready to take your game to the next level? Trust the process and sign up for No Stress Midwest training today at www.nostressmidwest.com training. No Stress Midwest primarily offers training for soccer players on the individual, group, and team settings of all ages and skill sets. Our training is customized for the player, and our goal in doing that is to continue to grow the love of the game, build a personal desire to want to develop, and create the chance and choice for the player to play at the next level. We have developed a unique solution here at No Stress Midwest Training, showing our clients that you can have fun while still getting better. By creating a unique training environment customized to the player, we feel that not only are we able to get the most out of the individual by creating a no-stress environment, but we are also teaching them fundamentals that they can carry off the field and apply in their everyday life. Visit our website at www.nostressmidwest.com backslash training and sign up for your first session today. But no, one, I, I want to say it's, uh, I think it's very brave of you to, to admit that you have, you, you have mental uh, health issues and, or, and it's something that I think people are afraid to say. And mm -hmm. I, I'm the same way, right? Like when I was growing up, 
there there was like no concussions one like i i you get hit in the head and it's like if you can get up and walk you're good um there was no like oh i'm so stressed over school and sports and dating and prom and college it was just like yeah everyone's everyone's like that deal with it um so i i think now as a as a player that was what I grew up in, but now as a coach, it's different. And I'm having to adjust and, Mm -hmm. and be more open and, and understanding that people have a lot of stuff going on and we all deal with it differently. Um, And just because I can deal with it doesn't mean you can deal with it. And the next person can deal with it. Um, Yeah. I think it's so important to stress. I think even too, and this is what I try to tell coaches as well. Like, the more that we can provide those resources. And, you know, from a young age, I, I struggled and, you know, had this big life event happen. And, and so I missed out on some of the coping skills and, you know, how to balance, um, you know, different things. So instead, I, you know, just for survival, you know, I decided to compartmentalize. So I went to soccer and that's where everything was erased. And that was my outlet. That was kind of my anti-drug, but um, you know, as you get older, it's, kind of all starts to bleed together, especially when it's your job. So, um, you know, I think it's just, yeah, it's important to check on each other. It's important, I think, for parents to have those open conversations with their kids and and know that we just, we all need help. (laughs) You know, we all need a little love. Yeah, and I think it's good to be able to talk about it and and get it out so that you're not carrying it for years and years and years and, and, you know, have to deal with it later. Yeah, and I also want to do a... um... A quick shout out to one of our uh, podcast guests, Carrie Ricaro. She has a podcast on mental health that she has with her uh, teammate or roommate. I can't remember which one, but someone she's close with. I've listened to two episodes, Butterfly Road. Uh, Make sure you guys check that out if you can. It's got some great, great content on it. Uh, And I think Carrie and her her co-host, they're just funny and open people. And like, I, I saw myself laughing, just listening to it felt kind of weird. Cause I'm like in the car by myself, but I'm like, they're kind of funny. I, I like it. Um, but yeah. So, uh, Shay, is there anything that you want to kind of share with, with people or not in things, but talk about with your playing career before we move on to the generic and kind of fast paced questions? Gosh, you know, I think oh, there's a lot of things, <laughs> but, um, you know, this is cheesy, but I would just say, if, you know, dream big and, and don't give it up. I mean, I had a lot of stumbling blocks. I, you know, I didn't even touch on it in college. I, I had another foot surgery in college. I had a small knee scope before I even went into my NWSL career. I've cracked ribs in my NWSL career. So I've had a lot of breakup moments in, in the game and, um, you know, have used them, I think, just to elevate my career again and again and again. So um, I always say use every setback um, as a setup for your comeback. And, and you know, oftentimes, you know, when you hit bottom, like the only way to go is up. And I think that's when we get a little bit hungrier and, and you know, find out what we're really made of. And so, yep. you know, sometimes I invite a little bit of that, uh, not failure, but, you know. Adversity. Just, adversity it gets going it's it's pumps you up and it's uh, honestly and and when i watched i'm sure i'm sure you've seen it the last dance uh with michael jordan his documentary so 
I always thought that I was different or weird in a way that I would like make stuff up to piss me off, to get me going. And to see that like he did that stuff and he would make up stories just to get him pissed off before like he goes. And I'm like, man, now, now granted, I don't play anymore. So I'm like coaching, but like I'll piss myself off before I go to coaching just so I can have this like chip on my shoulder. Like, all right, let's. Let's, let's get to it. I'm not Mr. Nice Guy anymore. Yeah. And so I would say, and then my last two things would be on that. I think I probably want to get, and I took it personally tattooed on my body somewhere because of MJ, because I think I, that was such a great reminder for me watching that because those first two years I got, you know, kind of deemed as, you know, Shay Groom, the girl that slides in and she's fearless and, you know, is getting all these yellow cards, red cards, whatever. Um, but to be yourself, you yeah. whatever that, whatever that is. And I think again, this year, I, you know, tried to get a little back to that a little bit was be unapologetically yourself. And then my final thing will be uh, for young players. I always say this pinpoint your non-negotiables. So I, Probably don't do it every year, but for for now they're you know mostly the same. But they probably changed uh, earlier on. But I usually try to choose three or four things that you know when I step on a soccer field or you know don't take talent, um, only take effort. And you know, you know what are my things that I'm I'm not going to compromise on? You know, minor work ethic and attitude and um, I can't remember my other one, which isn't good. But um, again, those those well, three things. The, that, it's the end of the season, so. Yeah. Yeah. It really will change. So um, it'd probably be take care of yourself. Um, I actually have five things written. I should just, you know, make those my non-negotiables. But I think it's important to have, you know, three things and, you know, things that don't take talent and then maybe three things that do um, and things that you're good at, you know. And Black always said to me, uh, the things that you're great at, be great at every single day. Um, And so I try to try to emulate that and, and really carry that over to my game. I love it. All right. So before we move to the generic questions, I'm actually pretty excited to to say this. And, uh, you know, the podcast is in its second season now, and it's been, you know, all for fun. Uh, but last week we had our first uh, person reach out about sponsoring an episode. So we got our first ad that I'm going to, to say. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Uh, and I think you know who who the company is. Um, but I want to just pause and and take a, a quick uh, thank you. Blah, pause and give a quick thank you uh, to our sponsors, AGY Performance Training. If you're a player in the Kansas City area, elite or pre-elite, you've got next level goals. AGY Performance Training should be on your radar. Over a dozen of MLS, NWSL, USL pros trust AGY to get them ready for the grind that is professional soccer. Find them on Instagram at AGY Performance Training. All right. So now we are into the generic questions, Shay. So I've asked some of my, uh, some of the girls I coach there. I call them little girls. They got pissed. Absolutely pissed. They're like 10. Absolutely pissed. So women. Yeah. I've got, I've got my younger ladies that I coach and they've been submitting questions. Um, I told them I was going to be interviewing some great guests, some professional soccer players. So they were really excited. Um, 
Some of the questions are great. Some of the questions are really okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> but we're just gonna kind of go through it and, and we're just gonna slag it out. Um, so okay. let's let's start with the heavy hitter. And this one, uh, I was told it's serious, okay? okay? Do you put cereal in the bowl before the milk or after? I don't have milk with my cereal. Oh, whoa, <laughs> man, look at that. Oh, that's I, never a it. It. I don't know. I cannot do soggy cereal, y'all. You are crazy. Not for you. Dry you know, cereal. I, I eat dry cereal as well, and I was, I'm allergic to dairy. So I remember I told someone that, and they were like, I was like, yeah, I don't drink milk. And their response was, well, how do you eat cereal? And I was like, huh, without the milk, I, I, yeah. I don't know. In the box, I just kind of take it out and it's there's no milk in there. It's just how it goes. All right, so no milk. I'm, I'm actually more of, a, more of a fan of that answer than any of them, so that's good. Um, what's your strategy on becoming a professional soccer player? I would say do the work that I did late earlier um technical what? technical technical one yes um and then chase the dream however that is i think when we talked about my rookie year i did whatever i could to just get to this level and i think you have to seek out those opportunities whether it's a, a club coach that's gonna um, advocate on your behalf a college that's gonna put you in a good place um to become a pro a trainer um that's going to invest in you in the same way that you're ready to invest in the sport. So um, invest in yourself, believe in yourself and uh, don't stop chasing the dream. Whatever you got to do, go to open tryouts. I played at Bethany Balser at rain. She went to NAI school. No one would have ever said, I just went to Colorado with her for national team camp. So if you want to say that anything's possible in this sport, it is um, just ask her. So. I love it. I love it. Uh, so I, and I know this might be a little hard for you to answer, well, what do you think you would be doing if you weren't playing soccer? I feel like it's boring. Like, I would probably be, I don't know. I think I'd probably be working for a brand like Adidas or something like that. Maybe something like kind of connected to sports, but I studied event management. So okay. I love, like, planning and, like, executing things very similar to, like, soccer in, sure. in terms of uh, details and then execute something and and things like that so 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 maybe when the soccer career ends you hang the cleats up if i need to put together any big events yes I could maybe give you a call i'm here i'm right. ready i love it i love it shea groom party extraordinaire <laughs> we'll maybe work on the title okay i do um, <laughs> so what were well we, we've talked about some of the roadblocks that you face right and and you, you've talked about kind of getting through them. Um, what one bit of advice would could you give the listeners if they're facing any roadblock, right? And obviously, each one's going to be specific. So you can give very specific things. But if you could kind of group it all and umbrella it, what would that advice be? Your little rainbow. Number one, I always say grieve it out. <laughs> so... Um, I, whenever something hard happens, you know, I cry it out. I you get angry, I go through all the emotions, you know, let it settle. Yep. And then when you're ready. 
it's go time, you know, whatever it means, you know, if you're in an injury, you're doing everything that they're going to allow you to do to get back. Even if it's toe curls, I remember I used to have to do that for my foot, like scrunching a towel. I did it every single day, a hundred times a day. Like, yeah. Um, so when you're ready to just kind of make that leap, flip the switch and, and do whatever you can to dig yourself out of it. But, um, definitely feel it all first and, and get a support system. You know, I'm going to credit all the people that have loved me through so many of my hard times and, and you got to lean on those people. Don't, you know, don't try to carry it all yourself. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, all right. So one of the girls asked, do you think it's fair that girls don't make as much as the boys playing professional soccer? We know the answer is no, but we know it's a very complicated, um, Not, I'm not going to say complicated, yeah. but there's a lot of facets to that. Um, are you seeing a change in that since, especially U.S. soccer women, they, you know, they, they made a stand for it. They flipped the jerseys inside out, right? Like, have you seen a change in that? And we talked about the Houston Dynamo and Dash now under the same ownership group. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's fair to say that, you know, that is our goal and we're not going to waver on the fact that we want it to be equal. Is it more complicated than that? Yeah. You know, we have to have the same amount of viewership, the same amount of sponsorship, you know, draw the same amount of attention. So, but I'm happy with how we've been able to progress. I mean, this is the longest standing league now, yep. you know, you just look at challenge cup where the sponsorships are buying in. I just did a NWSL summit where I talked to all the sponsors and they were so excited, um, you know, for the product that we have and, and NWSL players are ready to promote and, and kind of be a part of that, um, you know, growth. And so, you know, yeah. Do I want to be paid more? Do I think I'll probably ever be, um, a part of that, you know, you know, I think that'll be a little bit later. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm fighting for my daughter and, and the little girls that are playing now to be able to pay, get paid a lot. Um, and, you know, but just to see the evolution of it, people forget that and the MLS was not so long ago yeah. <laughs> in a very similar boat. I, yep. I grew up watching sporting in T-Bone stadium on a baseball field. Yep. So, yep. um, they didn't just start out playing in these multi-million dollar stadiums. And no. I think we done a heck of a job and you know we're gonna keep fighting so and and i'm so proud of the national team and everything that they've done but um you know i'm definitely a big advocate for the nwsl as well and you know we provide a home for them to play so um you know i think just as much as they're fighting for the women's national team you know i think you know we gotta continue the fight here as well the ground yeah. level no i mean in, in the mls i can remember watching it like when, I, I don't know what year, but when Landon Donovan came to the MLS, because I was in San Jose, I remember all that hype. And I had a shirt with the original like MLS uh, franchises, like the Dallas Burn, no longer there, they're FC Dallas. The Metro mm -hmm. Stars are now the Red Bulls. Yeah. Um, so, they're, so those teams have come in and they've left the Miami Fusion, right? Miami just got a team. Last year, two years ago with David Beckham, and they've been gone for a while. The mutiny, Tampa Bay mutiny. Like, so, uh, and and I think it's, yes, you want to get paid more. Everybody wants to get paid more. This isn't a men or women. You yeah. ask anyone, do they want to get paid more? They're going to say yes. Yeah. That's that's a no-brainer. Um, but I, I am happy to hear, though, that 
that you're you're comfortable and, and you're happy with where things are, but more yeah. importantly, that you're fighting for that next generation and the generation after and after and after. Yeah. So it continues to get there. They're all on the same page. And then who knows what happens? Yeah, I think it's also exciting. I mean, look at what Angel City's done with 30, over 30 female owners mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, using their platforms and their, you know, financial stability to create something special. And then I don't know, you've seen, I have seen tweets floating around Uh-oh. by uh, Patrick Mahomes' misses that they want to bring a, a team to Kansas City. But again, I think uh-huh. soccer is the world sport. People are. Yep excited about it and and i think the nwsl is a unique and intimate place to be able to you know have a team that is spe- special in a way that you know is might not be as special in other leagues so yeah definitely think you'll see a lot of new teams in the next coming years and a lot of strong ownership groups uh ready to invest that's 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 my goal you know big picture when it's all said and done for me I'd love nothing more than every than the MLS and NWSL to have the same teams. You have a sporting case. You have sporting KC, men's, women's. You have every club, right? And and you change the names however you want to do it. But NWSL and MLS, a professional men and women's team in the same club. I think that's that's the future. That's how it's starting to grow now in England. You're seeing now, granted, I, I love Megan Rapino's statement on, yeah, like Manchester United, it's great they have a women's one now, but they've been around for a hundred and something years or, you know, however long they've been around. So uh, regardless, you know, I think there are, you are starting to see those steps, but it's Man United. It's not Man you you know, it's, it's Man United. Yeah. You have a men's side and a women's side, Man City, Arsenal, West Ham, mm-hmm. Chelsea, right? They're all together so i hope we get there um we'll see uh all right so how many days a week do you say you practice when you're in season versus how many days a week do you practice when you're not in season uh we turn every day occasional off day um this year was obviously different so maybe one, one off day a week, but, um, even then you're probably coming in and doing something. So, um, definitely a full-time gig. Um, and then in the off season, you know, a lot of girls will hit it really hard. I have learned in my old age, (laughs) as you get older, uh, you learn what your body needs. So, um, I, anytime soccer is available, I'm playing soccer. Um, but lifting a little bit more and, and getting out South, uh, when I'm back in Kansas city, just, uh, sharpen up on some things but um you know I'll probably do something every day but you know if I'm feeling a little tired I definitely take a day off and and make sure my body's primed for next season you know the framework of next season looks different it's gonna be a longer season we have a 10-week preseason another bubble so um not trying to come in at peak fitness if if you know what I'm saying so uh, we're gonna have plenty of time for that so yeah all right well well Shay I want to I want to thank you so much um, for being a guest on here. Uh, I talked earlier about one of my favorite, new favorite things is hearing the draft day stories, but still my favorite is the dream five asides. So I hope you, uh, you've thought about it. I'm really excited to see it. Um, 
just know that I do I do judge people on their on I, their dreams. You're gonna judge me hard, but like okay, I all have right, well, so it's okay. Here we go. So Shay, let let's hear. Let's start with uh, the people that you've played with, right? You've shared the field with. Yeah. Um, again, it's tough. Five aside, you got to think strategically, but also, go. I. You know, I'm not defensive minded, so we're just going to start with that. But I'm going to pick Becky Sauerbrunn because she has, uh, you know, been a center back for me, was three years for Kansas City. And I just she is nasty when it comes on the field. So that's her second. That's the second time she's been mentioned on someone's team. So I'm also going to pick my childhood hero and, uh, you know, who became my future teammate and friend, Lauren Holiday. and then, you know, I'm going to go a solid, uh, a solid dash. Um, uh, I don't even know what you call us trio. Okay. Uh, me, Christy and Rachel, just because I think that it's just something you, you can't teach. And I'll take any of these people that I've said as competitors, like, no doubt, like want to win every, everything. So, okay. so Christy, what's her last name? Mewis. Oh, Christy Mewis. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah, yeah, there we go. And then, Mewis, Rachel, Rachel Daly and right, and then Rachel Daly. Daly. Now you did mention that there's a, you're very offensive minded. So I pick a goalkeeper as well. Yeah, you know, it's maybe you throw Becky as a sweeper keeper, and you, okay. you know, okay. You, well, that I guess I didn't. I I thought it was like five aside with the goalkeeper. With so. the goal, okay, yeah, no, sorry. So just just the five. Well, I gotta so, cut someone now. Yeah, uh, man, that, and now it's tough because you. No, I can't put their name out there. TV. No. <laughs> do you do you remove yourself and, and become the manager? It's Honestly, rough. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to do that. I can't cut someone live like this. Okay, <laughs> I'll be the manager. I'm a really great hype woman, and I believe in my team. Um, and then I'm gonna honestly another dash. I'm gonna pick Jane Campbell. Come to one of our trains because she has robbed me at least thirty goals in five All right. seconds. So, so that's go. so Shay, you've you've taken yeah. the manager role for the first team. Now that isn't that's new. Normally people will become the manager for the other, for this next team, but you, you're a special one. You're a special I, I mean, I'm gutted. I've not made the roster now, <laughs> but you know, it, <laughs> what it, can you do? Well, you can't, I mean, you can only look at yourself and ask, what could I have done more? Could I have done I more? I didn't read the fine print. So, okay. Actually, I'm sorry. I might have to just ex Cheney. She's pregnant or Lauren Holiday. She's pregnant right now. So, oh, oh man, life's Sorry. tough. Comes at you fast. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Next team. <laughs> no, I'm to cut someone else. Okay. I am going to go with De Bruyne. Hey, that's man. Katie Visa. He's just a universal favorite. I know. Can't. I have to put another defender um because Uh-oh. now it's getting serious i'm gonna go unpopular maybe but uh sergio ramos oh nah, that's not not unpopular at all man that's not unpopular at all i don't know you know i feel like some people hate him or love him you know you gotta uh, respect it though red cards goals whatever yeah. you're you know what you're gonna get Man, I was really excited about my team because now I have an extra. Maybe I'll just be the manager of this team. I was you could excited. do that as well. 
I also want two women on my team, so. Okay. Oh, oh um, okay, right, so Sala can be the manager. <laughs> <laughs> and then me, I've actually really always wanted to play with Tobin Heath, so. Okay. Um, I would All definitely right. want her on my team. And then I actually had Schmeichel in goal. Schmeichel. I love saying his name. Schmeichel. So. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that is, you know, I actually I'm not gonna judge you off that. That's that's okay. solid. That's yeah, solid. You're not totally disappointed. No, not at all. I can I can sleep at night. I all can right. sleep tonight. So <laughs> you have a little respect. All right. The yeah. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. No, Shay. I, I want to thank you again so much for for being on here. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, another kind of not not as embarrassing story, um, but this summer I'm training two girls that are in college now. Uh, I'll give them a little shout outs. Amanda Ham, she's at UMKC. Another girl, Izzy Fultz at uh, UCM. So I'm training them this summer and I'm like, hey, this idea came to do the, the all women's uh, guest list. And you are the first person that uh, that Izzy said. And she was like, hey, I can I can get whoever I'll, I'll find a way to get in contact with her. I know someone that knows her. Um, and I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. I was like, you do that. Um, but then, like I said, we also know the Kriegers uh, with Lori. You were she was the chap chaplain or yeah. right for FCKC. Yeah. So you met little Mallory. Was she how was Mallory? Was she around practices? Oh yeah, and they're like fam. I've lived with them, so they're family now. <laughs> so you know, so you're you're part of them. You're part I'm of the family as well. Okay, yeah. Shout outs. So I didn't get to coach Mallory, but she's at um she's playing now. They had their season. Her mom shares everything about it, and I love every single every single Facebook post. Um. So yeah. So that that kind of wraps this up, uh, Shay. You've you've given some some great great advice. Some uh, filled us in on some things that I didn't know about. Um, and is there any final words? Any final thing that you want to leave the listeners with before it's back to life? Keep paving the way for women's soccer. If you're not a woman, watch women's soccer. If you are a woman, still watch women's soccer. Um, that's something I've not a New Year's resolution. I mean, I made a New Year's resolution and halfway through 2020 because it's 2020. So yeah, so watch women's soccer. So I'm watching college soccer. I'm watch. I mean, I watch some NAI soccer. I mean, it's all about supporting each other. So let's keep yep. growing this game and keep supporting each other and everybody take care of yourself. Be happy and healthy. Be happy, be healthy. I love it. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. This is the No Stress Midwest podcast. Uh, my name is Brian Turner. We've got Shay Groom. We have our first ad sponsor of AGY. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.